Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Uh, you're on podcast with me, John Levin, and Super League legend, Francis Maloney. Francis, cheers for coming on. No, no worries, mate. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. It's always lovely to come to Batley, and this looks a lot nicer than normal when you come to Batley. It is, yeah. I mean, it's quite, quite plush apartments, these, to be fair. Um, there's quite, there's quite, I think there's about 180 uh, apartments in the block that I'm in, so... But they are quite nice. Nice thing to come out of Batley. And uh, before we get into your career, what do you think? What have you made of uh, Super League at the minute with the the rules? The thing that I found weird about Super League is the celebration. You know, like if you score a try, you're not allowed to celebrate, yeah. but you're allowed to pass the same ball. You're allowed to tackle yeah. each other. You're allowed to roll around on top of each other. But a high five, so fine. I just think that obviously with the COVID thing, it's, uh, it, it's contradictory. Yeah. I think. I mean, if you're making tackles and and you're jumping all over people, why can you not celebrate a try with your teammates? And obviously, I know that um, it's been held on last weekend about celebrating a try. It's like, well, they've just, you know, they've just been making probably 20, 30 tackles in a game. You know, they've been in contact with other players, but they can't con- contact their own. So I just think it's taken maybe a step too far. I don't know. Well, 250 quid's quite a lot to a rugby league player. Well, that's in Ian Watson. I think when Salford went in the last minute, someone went to go on him and nearly punched them, didn't he? Taking them away from him. Well, I saw Watto, his mask fell down and his, as soon as he, uh, he saw himself on the screen, he put it back up. But I mean, you know, it's, um, I think, I don't know, I just, I just think it's gone mad. I think obviously the rule changes uh, to suit both teams, but I just think, you know, let's try celebration. If you're making a tackle, if me and you are in contact all the time, yeah. and we're tackling all the time, you know, and you're making tackles with your teammates, why can't you celebrate with your teammates? Which is, uh, I don't know. And the, the Toronto situation's a weird one. We talked off camera saying how easy it would be just to put a Super League team in Cumbria. Yeah. I'm biased, I'm from yeah. Cumbria. I, I think know. Super League, like, in, in Cumbria, rugby league's bigger than football. And you've already got that fan base there. You've got the players and everything. Why, why not just plonk it there yeah. and see well, what happens? I mean, it was me that mentioned it to you, obviously. But I just think with the Toronto thing, and I don't mean to be uh, controversial, but I was speaking to a lot of people before, before it happened, they got into Super League. I thought it's not sustainable. No. And you know, if this guy... Pulls his money. What's, what's going on with these guys? Who, I mean, I think we're an Australian bloke. He he lumbered in uh, a country somewhere where he can't get back home. Yeah. I mean, they're the kind of scenarios that, that have come true, and it shouldn't have to be like that. And like I said to you, why not put a super stadium in Cumbria, get all the teams together? I've just have a Cumbria inside. Um, I mean, to be fair, over the years, it's been a massive catchment area for, for rugby league, and it's just a hotbed, you know, rugby. Um, and it'd be, it wouldn't maybe cost as much. You know, it's only two and a half hours, three hours down the road. It's of a nine and a half hour flight, and you know you will get the fans to go up there because it's a lovely area to go up. Well, it's the Lake District, isn't it? Yeah, people can make it, yeah. a weekend of it, yeah, sort of exactly. thing. You know, like people are doing with the South of France now, aren't yeah, they? That's yeah, become yeah. something people look forward, isn't yeah. it? But no, but instead of getting a nine hour flight to Toronto, they're yeah. uh, stuck in the middle of nowhere, and uh, you know, they're not going to get the fans there, uh, no, no matter what anybody says. Um, why not just get, like I say, a big super stadium in the middle of Cumbria, and it's two and a half hours, build a hotel next to it for the fans. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, more, it's a more sustainable option, I think, personally. But it's, I'm not. It, it'd be too easy, wouldn't it? Well, in, <laughs> in Cumbria, you get sort of as a young lad, you, rugby's your first option. Yeah. How, how did you get into rugby? Was it because your dad was such a good player? Is that how you got? Well, it? I, got, I got into rugby. I was actually better at football than I was rugby, but because I wanted to play rugby because my dad played. Uh, he played it all in the sixties and seventies, and a lot of lads like 
back the lads might hear I wanted to emulate what my dad did. So I just obviously I chose a route of rugby. Um, and obviously I was a goal, goal kicker like him as well. So, but that's how I got into it. Um, and obviously my, when I went to under 15, my dad took over uh, the under 15 side. And he, he turned me into a better player. You know, he got me fit. Um, was it tough having your dad as a coach? Because Lee Breeze was on, the, uh, we'd done it with Lee Breeze, and he said it was the worst thing he ever did, coaching his child, because it ruined the relationship, because he was going home with the coach, and in the house and that, he, he should have been a father, but it felt like he was coming home with the coach, and he said if yeah. he could go back, it maybe changed that relationship slightly. It, yeah, it did. I mean, to be fair, it, it sort of ruined our relationship. You know, I was, uh, it was very, very critical, you know, but he used to say, uh, call it, uh, constructive criticism, but yeah. he criticised me, but he wouldn't give me a constructive part of it. Um, I mean, I know I've told you before about the 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 uh, the Huddersfield schools against Hull, and I broke my arm in the, in the lead up to the England schools trials. So obviously they said, "Look, can't play." So Phil Arder, he was coach of Huddersfield schools, and he just obviously said, "Look, you know, you've got to watch this kid." This is uh, so he got the, the England schools coach to watch me um, play against Hull, which was one of the better sides in the country. And in the first 40 minutes, got six tries, six goals. We won the game 36 0. And I thought, being a 15 year old kid, I thought I'd done really well. Yeah. So I just said to me, Alice, how do you think I went? You know, I said, he came to watch me, he didn't keep me impressed. Well, he went, you should have scored seven tries and seven goals. Now, for a 15 year old kid who were yeah. up there, elate, all the elation scoring all them points and winning the match, to being down here, you know, it was, uh, it, it wasn't the best uh, thing to hear, but, you know, it's, it, that's the way it was with me. You know, he said, oh, we should have done better. And it did sort of ruin our relationship. Um, so I understand where he's coming from. Did you, did you have, like, a plan B? Because it, you talk to a lot of rugby lads. Most rugby lads aren't people like, uh, oh, well, I was going to be a scientist, but I've become a super league yeah. player. Did you have a plan? Were you any good at school, or was it no. just rugby? Everyone's a well, slim, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I never had a plan B. And that, that was one of the biggest... Uh, any, kid, if I, t- any kid nowadays, if I tell them, I says, look, yeah, be a professional rugby player or, or footballer, but I always have a backup plan. Yeah. Because, you know, I will look at it 20 years, you know, but I could, have, I could have played 20 minutes and I could have been, could have been over and I had nothing to fall back on. Um, and I want the best at school, I want the brightest button, you know, but I um, I, I never did my homework because I was always training, I was doing yeah, rugby. Yeah. And when I, was, when I was doing my GCSEs and stuff, I was always at Leeds training because uh, I'd get a training bus, train with the EA team and then come back. I was knackered, so I just thought I couldn't, I could never get my homework done. So, How exciting was it signing for Leeds at that young age? Because I can imagine you'd have the women and so all the lads all being jealous and things like that. Well, there was a lot of jealousy, to be fair. I ended up having to move out of the area because um, I was fighting every week. Right. Uh, you know, if it had been this day and age, now it would have been done for GBH and also. But it was... Uh, I signed on my 16th birthday and I got um, just shot 50 grand, 40 or 50 grand or something. What to sign on with? Yeah, they always said, that I got asked to do my autobiography and they said that it'd be, uh, so what would you name it? This is the um, yeah, uh, most expensive teenager ever. And I didn't know this obviously at the time, but obviously I know now there's been higher fees, but at the time it was one of the highest. Um, and I thought, it's the same old thing when you sign on for a club, you think you've made it. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, people need to, we need to realise that it all starts again. It's all a learning curve again, you've got to learn how to, I mean, I was in a half-back position, so it was hard for me. Because obviously I've got, you know, I remember playing, I think one of my 18 games was Roy Powell playing, David Aaron, John Holmes, um, Phil Ford, 
And I'm, these are great being internationals, and I'm a 16 year old kid, and I'm having to tell them what to do. And I couldn't do it. I struggled. But you struggle at that age, because I remember being 16, you come into the first team, yeah. and you struggle even like you do them drills where you have to shout setting in. Yeah. yeah. Setting. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah. why has my voice gone like that? It's because you're a bit nervous. You've yeah. looked up them players and yeah. things like that. Because it's hard. It's, um, I mean, you know, there's, there's no wrong with a bit of. Um, Bit of arrogance, arrogance, but some of these kids take it a bit too far. Yeah, you know, you see them walking around, and I think, you know, you're walking around with your, you know, your shoulders. Good on them, you know, for, for getting like that. But a lot of them don't realise how tough it is. It's confident with a bit of humble, being yeah. a bit humble yeah. with it as well, yeah. isn't it? Sort yeah. of thing. And I, I'll give you an exa- perfect example, Andy Gregory. He, yeah, you know, he, he, when I was a kid growing up, he was one of my favourite players. In fact, he was. I mean, obviously him and Pete Sterling and Brett Kelly were my favourite. But you know, when you used to watch him on the rugby field, I used to. Good player, but you know what a twat kind of thing. And when you meet him, he's probably the nicest bloke you'll ever meet. So he, he took he took it how you should be, you know, a bit a bit of arrogance, a bit of cockiness from the rugby field, but be be humble off it. And he's 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 a perfect man to look at, I think. You you, you never stayed at Leeds long. Why was that? Was that just for, to get in the first team, or was it? Well, I went. To, um, I'll tell I'll tell you the story. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I mean um, I don't think being scoring getting scored will get on now. Um, I got pally with Ali Ranley, um, and obviously we, we used to go shopping in Leeds and stuff like that together. Anyway, um, he went to, went to this meeting, he says, you're going to have to leave the club. I says, why? He says, well, Gary's basically said he doesn't want you in the side. And I thought, well, fair enough, I've been there two years, and I'd just done a serious injury. And I remember Dougie Lawton said he wanted his own side, so he just wanted, he was getting rid of a load of people. So I just thought, I'm going to go. Um, and so I left and I went to, um, to Featherstone. Yeah, and one of my first games, my first game against Leeds, I was up against Scully. Um and I think it was the first time obviously Featherstone had beaten Leeds in years. And it, all the build up all week was because I just played through the twenty one Great Britain, and obviously got with the incumbent uh, ah, yeah. six, yeah. and it all the build up, you know, like um, master against apprentice kind of thing. Anyway, we ended up winning, and um, I don't think he spoke to me since. Right, I mean, he came to my dad's funeral. Um, and really spoke to him and it's nearly 28 years, 28, 30 years ago. So um, that's one of the reasons why I left Leeds. Uh, I mean, obviously I went there with being one of the best best young players, but, you know, like, like everybody else, you know, you, you go there and you, you sort of shit and bust, I just, just didn't make it. You know, one of them things, but um, best thing I did was leaving. Yeah. You know, there wasn't as much pressure. And I got a good coach who obviously t- taught me Steve Martin will coach at Featherstone um, and then I ended up meeting the, the infamous Brendan Tilter and you know what a bloke to play behind you know he was hard as nails and he just followed him you know when you played against him it sort of gave me the confidence to go on and, and, and get better and better some of the best players done that though didn't especially Aspark like Sean Long went to witness yeah. from Wigan didn't he yeah he did yeah. had a couple of really good games then went to St Helens yeah. so Lee Briggs didn't he didn't he go from St Helens to yeah. I think he went to Warrington, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So I, I think you're better doing that yeah. than just being like a second-run player for yeah, five, yeah. six years. You find yourself, you'd be like 25, 26, you've not played or exactly, something like yeah. that. You think, oh, I should have... Well, I'd, I'd, I'd had four or five clubs by the time I was 25, 26. Right. So I was well-travelled, but I never... Um, I just... Well, like I say, I left Leeds under, under them circumstances. Like I say, it's... Um, it it really told me to go. You played in the old school era and you come into the Super League. Yeah. What was the biggest difference? Was it just because it went full time or more just, professional? Just yeah, full time. We train every day, day in doubt. Uh, just the speed of the game. Uh, I don't think necessarily think the contact was as much. I just think it was the pace. So if you if you 
if you, made, if you missed a tackle, just try. But it's nothing. When I first started, it was like um, you know you could pull a chase back and scramble and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and obviously, when I, obviously in the two thousands and stuff. 98, 99, it was like, if you made a break, you could scramble back, so the game would just get evolving faster and faster all the time. But I just think the um, the pace of it just proceeded to pick up tenfold, because obviously guys were playing full-time rugby, you know, they were doing weights day in, day out, um, fitness training every day, and well, um, obviously remember, everybody were the same build, Yeah. yeah. the Bradford side, the yeah. winners were as big as the forwards, you know, that was the way everybody were going, the power game. Um, but yeah, that was the only difference, I would have said. I don't say money. Do you think the, the, the talent and things change now? Our, our kids are... Because I've talked about this with every rugby player we get on. I, I hate seeing kids playing like Super League. Yeah. So they're like doing the defence. and so, I'd rather see kids sidestepping, dummying yeah. and well, getting think, all the skills together yeah. first and then yeah. going to that more structured style. Yeah. Like, I hate seeing like under 10s and people shouting, get in the arm wrestle and yeah. stuff like that. Just let them no. play a bit of skill. That's, that's a problem. I mean, one of the problems when I, when I, when I first signed them, the, the, the coach didn't have ability out of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I was talking to an old bloke a couple of days ago, talking about the 70s and 80s. About the, the last time we won the Test Series against Australia was in 1970, with Millward, with Hardesty, with you know, all them blokes, naturally gifted players. And that's, that's how we beat them, basically, yeah, with yeah. Natural, natural flair and ability. And then all of a sudden, the, the tables turn, it was all about a bit robotic and stuff. And the thing is, we, we tend to coach our, our natural ability out of these kids. There's a reason why these kids got picked up, because they were mm-hmm. talented kids. And all of a sudden, 12 months into their contract, they think that's they're not good enough, because they're not conforming to the way they're... Just because Coach A doesn't like a certain way doesn't mean it's not good enough. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But it's Coach B... I'll pick him up and I'll coach him his way. But just because a player doesn't conform to the coach's ideology doesn't mean they're not talented kids. And a lot of these kids, 14, 15, probably 16, 17, they just get, yeah, see you later, thanks. thanks for, but no, thanks, kind of thing. And when they get lost to the game. Well, I think you notice that back in the day where a knife was stacked, watch players like yourself, just say you drop from Super League, you go yeah. to like a Batley or Jimsby, yeah. you think that's a Super League player because you were faster, stronger, yeah. sidestep ways. I think sometimes Super League players drop down that level now and you, you don't notice that much because all they are is maybe a little bit stronger, yeah. run that line, quicker yeah, yeah. play the ball, things that I don't really that yeah. bother because I like the tries and the yeah, hits yeah. and things like that. So I think that's changed slightly, hasn't yeah. it, over the years? I think for me, when, when I left uh, Castleton uh, and I went to Jules and Batley, I came out with Michelle. Yeah, and the shackles were off, and I played. I had to play probably the best rugby I played because I was, and I was controlling games, um, and I was confident. You know, when I was the super player, I had no confidence whatsoever. But when I went, went to Jubilee and Batley, where I thought I'm back in the career, I've not too I'm playing back at half back and just do what I want, and I did, and I, and I played the, probably the best rugby in my career. And, you know, just natural, like chipping over the top and, and making breaks and taking them on, and you know, doing what I wanted, what I did when I was 16, 17, when I was yeah, first yeah. time for, as a professional. Which Super League team did you prefer playing for? Which one would you call home because you've played for that many? Would it be Castleford, do you think? In I would Super say Castleford in, in 98, 99, yeah. Because when I went there, obviously, I've been to four or five clubs and I sort of got lost uh, in the game. And uh, when we had that 99 team, it was just one of them things where there were no superstars. And yeah. We had a couple of good leaders, which were obviously Valsy and Brad Davis. Uh, and then you had Aaron Ray, uh, dummy half and stuff. And we all gelled. And we all worked for each other. And that's obviously why we were so successful. Because um, I know we never actually won anything, but we got quite high up. Um, but that probably that 1990 team was the best I've played for. 
because yeah. he played for Wayfield, was it when they went bankrupt? How tough yeah. was that when you're like a player? Because that's your job. People don't realise they don't see rugby players. It's like take a pay cut, you'll be all right. You think it's like this year, take a pay cut. And you're like some of these lads will have bought mortgages on the yeah. fact this is how yeah. much money they're getting, yeah. not on the fact like oh we'll have a pay cut and stuff like well, that. Well, I remember. Um, I mean, that was that was just a shambles. That. I mean, we didn't get paid. For, we got we didn't get paid for a couple of months, and then the chairman came and he says, oh, "I'm going to give you out of my personal bank account." Right. Well, they were bouncing as well. Yeah. So like then was another month without money. Some guys lost their houses. But yeah, I mean I lived in I lived in Altos, which is on the verge of Castleford and Wakefield. And there's people walking down the streets abusing me, calling me this and that and other. Uh, but they don't realise what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, I ended up having to um I set up a business, hairdressing business, because I thought could, where am I gonna get the next money from? So I got a bank um a credit card and maxed it up and got this shop. Because uh, right. I thought, you know, it was just after that I contemplated retiring. Because um, I signed for Salford just shortly after. Because uh, obviously we took him to court. I mean, we, obviously, you know Bobby. I was just going to say, Bobby Golden's there. And I can't imagine Bobby taking that line down because he's he just not that type of guy, is he? He didn't. I had to drag him. When we went, took him to um, the tribunal in, in Leeds, I had to drag him back. He will. You know what it's like? He yeah. was rather everybody. And to be fair to him, you know, we should have done. But we, we were all going to take, um, we weren't going to play the games, the last few games. I think we were only me and Bobby and a couple of others that decided we're not going to play. And because uh, if we'd done that, because uh, we were told that if we did that, we wouldn't get his money. Right. So we did what they said. This Rubble League Players Association told us, don't, just keep playing the fixtures. Do we get his money? No, we didn't get a penny. Um, and we thought, we, me and I spoke to Bobby since, we seemed to think we got Shafton all ends there. Um, I mean, it said it was in the papers that I got awarded all this money. Didn't get a penny. But yeah, all these people walking around Wakefield and whatnot, abusing, abusing me. Um, and I thought, they don't realise, do they? Well, and I, you can't blame them. It's, it's history now. You know, it's one of them things. But at the time, it, it was quite disheartening because you think, you know, I've signed for this club and yeah, I expect to be paid, but, you know, I don't expect to be abused week in, week out by his own fans. Some were spitting at us and stuff. It's like, well, you know, why? You know, if you sit back and, and realise actually, I'm not getting paid to do a yeah. job, whether I'm a miner or a welder or what, I'm not getting paid to do my job. Now, you know, you just because rugby league players don't mean that we're, uh, we don't need to get paid. It's a job. Did, I know after you finished playing, you had mental health problems, things yeah. like that. Did that ever show up when you played at any time? Did you ever like have bad feelings when you played, or because you training and playing, it didn't cross your mind, or did it ever happen when you were playing? The first time I realised, um, it was in 2000, and, it was 2001, 2002, I was going to quit. Right. Um, I went over to uh, playing at the Boulevard, and I said to my mum and dad, I said, this is the last game I'm playing, I'm done. Because obviously with the Wakefield thing, Sanford, I did all the travelling to Salford, and I thought, I wasn't mentally right for this anymore. And I went and scored two tries. Uh, anyway, the week after, we trained all week, we played at Halifax. I said the same thing to my mum and dad, I said, that's it, I'm done. It's got another two tries. And I, I think I ended up, I think it's got about 15 tries in about five or six games. So I got myself back into, into the groove of it. Um, so I carried on for a few more years. And I got to, I think I was about 15 years. And I thought, do you know what, I'm going to try and do this. Um, try and do my 20 seasons. Let them focus. Um, but I, I originally got diagnosed with depression in 2000. And, um, about 2005, 2006. Right. Uh, I don't, obviously, a lot of people talk about that drop goal against um, against Witness. Um, after that game, 
obviously everybody's jumping around because they've been they were safe in the Super League. Everybody's jumping, jumping around, supping champagne, and I was sat in the corner sobbing, yeah. crying my eyes out. And I thought, this isn't right because obviously someone said, "What's wrong?" I said, "I don't know." I said, "I feel like I've just lost the game." He said, "Mate, you just won the game by that, that drop goal." Um, so I went and said to see a specialist, and he uh, he diagnosed me with a form of depression called it's called anhedonia. Right, it's like a, it's, it's like a depression where you don't know even kill all the time. If you do something good, you'll dip. If you do something bad, you'll dip. So right. it's uh, it's a, probably the biggest killer in, in men. Um, and it's just one of the things you don't feel pleasure in anything good, good you do. And it's right. taken me a while to get. You know, like you know, like when you, you do something good and you watch something good, you, you get the goosebumps. And ah, yeah, yeah. I never got that. Right. Never. And I don't get it now. Um, but I got for, I got diagnosed with that, and I just thought, you know what. Um, and that's when obviously it sort of hit home, um, started feeling low. Because rugby's one of them, no matter what you're going through, normally if you go to the match, you see you fill up with your girlfriend or work's terrible. Yeah. For that 80 minutes, you forget about it a little yeah. bit, don't you? Because you're just focused yeah. on that. Yeah. And that, that's the same with like COVID and things like that. Don't realise the effects that having on young lads no. that work, no, got no release of it the weekend. No, 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 no. So that's why I thought maybe in rugby, you, that, is that what kept the lid on it? Do you think, well, you're always playing, you always had that little bit more focus. Obviously, you, you still had problems, but they didn't get as bad. Well, no, because I just got on with it. Yeah. Um, and it sort of affected me, obviously the marriage at the time, obviously I ended up leaving her. And it was accumulation things, the way I was, like I was. And I started drinking. Um, I, left, I left, and then I just, obviously, I went on a no, constant slippery slope downhill. Uh, and it weren't helping with the fact I had depression and stuff. So I was drinking because I was depressed and d- depressed because I was drinking. Well, drinking's one of them, isn't it? I, oh, it is, I, yeah. I don't have depression or anything like that, but the next day you get some dark thoughts, don't you? Oh, you wake do, up and yeah. like, you're an idiot, you're a mess, yeah. you shouldn't be doing that. So I couldn't imagine what you must have woke up feeling like. Well, I, I mean, that, it coincided the first time I tried to kill myself, actually, uh, in 2008. Also, oh, uh, you were in Super League when you were... Oh, right, right. No, oh, I, was, oh, I, I just retired, actually. Right, right. No, I was still playing, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, obviously, what had happened was... I just realised I was just ruining my son's lives, you know. Uh, so it was about seven or eight months after I got divorced. Um, I mean, that was the only reason why I, I felt so low. And I just thought, you know what, I've just ruined the lives. I said, I've just, things will never be the same again for them. Um, and I had nobody to talk to. So uh, I, was, I hate myself, you know. Um, so I got the tablets, uh, 100 cocoa them up, you know, the 3500. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bottle of vodka, just a lot. Right. Um, I woke up about four hours later, just just felt groggy, um, and I just thought, you know what, said, what have I just done? You know, yeah. a realization what you've just done. I thought that's not making it anything better for them too. Do you know at the time? Um, so I sat, just got back on it, kind of thing. Just got got back back on with life, and um, but just everything was going wrong. You know, you try to get on that ledge, and all of a sudden you feel, you find yourself slipping off it again. Uh, it's like you're always swimming against the tide kind of thing. Just couldn't do all right. Uh, and it because of this. You had some tough things going on, though, with your sister and things like yeah. that, didn't you? And you were playing with uh, your pink hat that you still got now. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. How, how tough was that when your sister was going for that and you were still trying to play and things? And Well, I'd actually, I think I'd just retired, but the, the, it's probably the hardest thing I've had to, do, um, to, to go through, to be fair. Um, she was um, she was my best mate. Yeah, you know, mm. big, my big sister, um, and I remember. I think it was about three or four months before she died. She, 
she wouldn't come to the matches. I'm talking about that pink hat. Yeah, got. yeah. Um, she wouldn't come to the matches. Um, and I thought maybe me, because I'm wearing old me, because that's what I'm like, you know. I bought this pink beanie. Because um, she wouldn't come to the matches because people were looking at her. She was having chemo. Yeah. Um, and she knew ever, she thought everyone was staring at her. They probably were. You know, people around here like that. So I said to her, I said, well, just um, don't worry, come next week. Um, so she came, I went to the match with her, but I put this hat in my pocket and I put it on and we sat in the bar afterwards and everybody's, everybody's walking past saying, look at that pill at Maloney, it looks all right, it's well. What the hell does it think is kind of thing? But look, there's my sister sat next to me, sort of smirking, knowing that she, she knew I bought the hat to take owners away from her. Um, she only came to about three or four matches, but she died after that. But it, it probably had a thing, it brought me. I mean, I would say that that was the lowest point in my life, to be fair. I mean, even now, it's, it upsets me now. Well, yeah. I, 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 all the things that you've gone through, you've done well to come through the other end, though, haven't you? Yeah. And that, how many attempts did you try? Was it I've, three? Was three. It? Well, two, and then obviously the, the one with the credit card and didn't have enough money, you know. Um, and that, I mean, obviously, the second time, I'd ended up being in a bender. Um, and I'd ended up at this party in the middle of Jewsbury, and I just... Dregs of society kind of thing, do you know? Yeah. And it was nine o'clock in the morning, I'm thinking they're all, they're all going for the next kind of bit of drugs, whatever we're going for. And I'm thinking, I'm drinking, me. I'm, I'm thinking, nah, I just got up and walked out, walked out, walked. And I just um, got back to where I was st- staying. I thought, I can't get any lower. So I've just dropped to the lowest point in my life. My sister's gone. Um, I've lost all my money, I've lost everything. And I just thought, and I got, so I, I just got my tablets again. Again, the same thing, under tablets, coca and all, um, bottle of vodka. And then just, I woke up probably about six hours later, just constantly vomiting. Um, yeah. Ended up going to hospital for stomach pumped. And when I got there, they were, I mean, obviously, I told them what I'd done, and they took my crap, you know, which wasn't very nice, to be fair, but it is what it is. It's, I shouldn't have done it. Um, but that was obviously the second time. So I just, I got to the third stage where I... I, I I sort of like, again, lost everything, drinking all the time. And uh, I was going through, it was when um, I didn't see Frankie for nine months. Um, that was probably the second hardest thing. Because I, I didn't, I thought, I, I just thought, well, I'm, when am I going to see him? And I didn't want to cause any trouble with his, Frankie's mum because I'm not like that. So I just, I just thought, I'm not going to see him again. So I'd written the letters to my boys, uh, Joel Tate and Frankie. And... Uh, I thought I'm going to try something different because I've failed the last twice, you know. Yeah. So I thought I'd try the horsepipe scenario. So I, um, I went, drove out to B&Q, um, got my letters, posted them at home, um, went to Bobber Park where I sort of grew up. Um, sorry, I was going to go to Bobber Park and I just, well, I got the horsepipe and put it on the counter, got the card out, put it in and declined. So I tried again, declined again, didn't have any money. And I thought, Jesus, um, Someone's up there was looking after me. Yeah. Uh, two days later, I phoned uh, Emma Rose one from you know from Rubbly Cares oh, and yeah. got me in touch with um, Sporting Chance Rubbly Cares, and I've never looked back. It's it, it, it's weird because outside looking in, I like I never got anywhere near the heights of you. I'd hardly even played in the league below, and yeah. just like to see someone like you, who's an international player, Super League player, one yeah. of the best players in Super League, to be going through something like that's just so bizarre because. You, you just think, looking in, you think, oh, he's making loads of money, yeah. he's got the women, he's doing what he wants at the yeah. weekend. But the reality is, 
that things like that were going on in the background it's, it's just bizarre isn't it like I, I think it's opened people's eyes now with more people talking about it like yourself yeah. and when you're saying you didn't get much help with the hospital I think people's opinion of it is totally changing now isn't it because yeah. I think people used to look at it like sort yourself out yeah, yeah. wasn't it whereas yeah. now everyone knows that, that it's just Do you know illness, what sometimes I mean I'm not I'm not going to knock anybody but you, I never had that you know the arm on your shoulder saying everything's going to be alright you know that's what you want sometimes somebody just get their arm and put it around you and you say well okay, Everything's going to be all right. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll get through this kind of thing. And I didn't have that. Uh, and I think it was because, obviously, I was sort of a bit of a, a bit of a, not an enigma, but nobody could get to know me. Yeah. And I would yeah. just, um, and that's all I wanted, somebody to get to know me and, and you know, uh, help me. Um, and that was the hardest thing, you know. It's an old school, tough guy sport as well, rugby league, yeah, isn't yeah. it? You know what I mean? Like, you'll grow up ways like you don't tell anyone there's anything no. wrong like you could have a broken arm you're like get up your pussy you know it's one of oh, yeah, them exactly. isn't it and yeah. I think it's changed now I think rugby league does more for mental health than any other sport really but well, I think there's been a big push on it there, to be fair because I think there's uh, um, there's more there's more and more people doing it um, and even contemplating it um, but I just think there needs to be more and more especially with this Covid thing people are they couldn't be hermits aren't they there's well, nobody to talk to, and I think that's that's the biggest thing for me. I remember going to obviously Sporting Chance, and I were in with three other guys, and it went. I sort of got embarrassed at one stage because every time we do a group session, it was my turn to talk. I just burst into tears, yeah. and it was like, and I, it got to the stage where after day ten, I'm thinking, sorry guys, it's my go. I'll be crying again, and that's all I got. I offloaded everything, and I think sometimes if you if you can get somebody we can um, speak to. You know, it's uh, it's massive, honestly. I think Danny Sculthorpe does a lot for it now, doesn't he? I've seen him on Twitter, he reaches out to anyone, anyone that's going through a tough time, they, yeah, yeah. they tag Danny and he sorts, sorts it or whatever yeah, does, they do. Yeah. And, and I like think that. it's great what they're doing. And I think there should be more of it. But it's good that people hear what you go through because I, I think everyone sits there thinking, well, I just don't feel well. And they think they're the only ones, don't yeah, they? Yeah. Where the reality is a lot of people are... And we COVID now. Yeah. I, when I played rugby, some people literally... Rugby was just at the weekend. Yeah, go to right, a yeah. job they hated for 50 hours a week. Yeah. A family that support. Give the highlight of the weekend. Sat- highlight of the weekend. They're going out on the booze on a, on a Saturday night. Yeah. They're, they're, they're matching on a weekend with, with their thing, weren't it? Um, and that's gone at the minute. So what, how, what, how can they replicate it? Well, that's it. for six months, and it's going to be a year, really, isn't it? Because yes, when it's yes. died, and I think taking a year out of a young lad's rugby life, and think, I yeah. just don't think it's worth, for the COVID thing, I just think you'd be better just, if they want to take the risk, the young, fit lads, yeah. let them know. That's the thing, I don't know, I mean, if you're going to see this, you have a year out, it's hard to just get back into the game. It's one of them things, I'm thinking that I mean, they can, you can't do any contacts, so you can't tackle. Well, you hear other people that had mental health problems and that in rugby league. It's always when they've had an injury, isn't it? Like yeah. Greg English and that. Yeah. I can remember when I broke my leg, you had a year on. You just feel like a bit of a loner, don't you? It's like, like you've got you to do what? rehab and stuff yeah. like that. But being injured is probably the loneliest place. Yeah. And you, 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 talk, you hear players talking about it. It is. Because, you know, you've got to get up at six o'clock, you've got to train, you've got to, mentally you've got to keep yourself focused. Uh, and sometimes you can't. You know, and, and sometimes when, you, when you're in that... When you're in that sporting environment, when you're in your team, it's all right because you can bounce off each other. But when you're not, when you're injured, you can't. And people yeah. forget about you very quick, don't they? Sort of like, oh, how's that leg? And then it's gone. Then isn't it? You know yeah, what I mean? Well, you're you're going to do like six months or whatever rehab well, on your own. You know, I won't tell you the name, but I remember um, training on a Saturday afternoon and at uh, Tommy Armstrong to do some kicking, big tear on me, right, Armstrong. And because I was the only halfback kicking halfback, I had to play. And we played the day after, and. Like, I kicked uh, a match winning drop goal in the last minute and we won the game, tore it even more. Um, and I ended up um, eight weeks off because of a complete tear. The coach who made me play didn't speak to me for eight weeks. 
Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of mentality, because you're, you're, you're not playing well bothered. And that's the way it were, and that's the way it still is. You know, and um, it's, it's a tough lesson to learn. You know, I remember some of the stuff that, over the years, you think about all the stuff that's been said to you. Um, I don't think some people could cope with it. Well, back in the day, it was always like, oh, you'd be all right if you take these pills with them pills. Yeah, and then, like, there's no, like, oh, oh well done for doing that, is there? No, and no. if you play it badly, no one sticks up like, oh, that guy shouldn't have been playing anyways. And no, it, no. it was always that sort of crack, wasn't yeah. it? And I, I seen people, like, patching the cello. They'd go out, play not as well as normal. I was like, he's crap. And you're like, yeah. playing with a dislocated oh, shoulder. Got, there, who's got dropped a, a tore a muscle in my shoulder? And the physio, the doctor, they'd injected the wrong muscle. So I had, um, <laughs> had a dead arm. Right. It's about three tackles on the bounce, pulled me off and dropped me. I said, and they didn't realise that they'd, um, because I missed the three tackles, they dropped me. And I thought, the physio's done that, the doctor's done that, done the wrong nerve. Who was the best coach you had when you played? Who was the one? Because you always learn a little bit, even coaches you don't yeah. like, there's something you take off them, yeah. isn't there? Always... Well, I've had, like, say, I've, I've, had, I've had 10 clubs, I've, I've had, you know, probably two coaches that stick out are probably uh, Steve Martin right. uh, Featherstone, very ahead of his years, very astute coach. You know, across all his T's and dots his eyes. Yeah. But uh, Stuart Raper, about the same. Oh, the Castleford one. He yeah, was yeah. the first guy that started playing a bit of rugby, wasn't he? I yeah, thought yeah. he brought it back in a little did, bit, yeah. a bit more I mean, exciting. Yeah, he did, yeah. He got, like, obviously, that 99 side, they're not superstars, but he got us all working in, in tandem, you know, and it was um, a great time to be at the, in the rugby player at the time, especially at the cast side, because he was great. I mean, he was a good coach. I mean, I don't know necessarily about his man management, but um, as a coach, yeah, probably one of the best. What about players that you played with? Was there anyone that, because you played with some great players, like remember at Salford, like Martin the Fires and people yeah, like that were in the yeah. team. And what was Martin like as a player? Not right, actually, quite funny. Yeah. I, was just, I remember we used to have a lunch and he says, right, I'm doing a TV interview tomorrow, but what words jumping together in a sentence? So we're all sat there like this, and kids, me, Bobby, and, um, and Mike Wayne, like, where'd you say, um, I'm going to walk down the street rubbing raspberry jam on my nipples. <laughs> So that's what we were asked to say. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we watched it after, and you got to end the sentence. So you'd rather get me doing that than um, walking down the street with rubbing raspberry jam in my nipples. So he actually got it, and but, but, it was a good bloke. You know, they used to take the mick out of him. Yeah, yeah. Very, um, but I remember, I mean, so that side, with some great players, that Salford side, Nick Pinkney, who were my, my winger. Oh, the winger? I yeah. he was fast. He'd come from oh, Keefley, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was called two speeds. Right. Uh, quick and quicker. Right. Uh, but I remember having a race with, remember Mick Hancock, Brisbane Broncos winger. The winger, ah, yeah. yeah, he looked Han- like a little prop, didn't he? Angry Hancock, you should call him. We did some spit training, and I remember having a race with all them three, and I ended up winning. Right. I beat, my, I beat him over 60 metres, but 100 metres, it blew me away. Yeah, but Pinkers were quick. Right. And he was my winger all season. And I think, uh, great to have outside him, because you can, the, the wingers moving on to him, I can just uh, go outside my centre. But it was great to have because if they came in, they'd just pass it to him in 100 yards every time. That's a good thing now, watching Super League with Regan Grace. Yeah. He's an old school type of winger, isn't he? Yeah, and I love him so. because normally, like the Joel Monahans, all these yeah. six foot fives, just going. Yeah. Not some I like watch. I like that a winger that's just going, if he's putting yeah, space. Robinson. Jason Robinson yeah, type of players like that. And Regan Grace is showing you just because he's not the biggest. Yeah. Have some a bit of pace outside. Yeah. Just These big wingers now, they tend to just finish it. They're uh, crossfield kicks and stuff like that. Yeah. But the guys, they're the kind of guys you want, don't you? Getting out and you're in goal area and just bringing it 40, 50 yards from the school. You know, get yourself on the front foot. They're the perfect players then. Uh, I, I like the thing that's come with the new wingers, how to score the tries, the big splash thing in the corner. That's yeah. that's added to the game, hasn't it? I, th- I think something like that's made it a little bit better. But overall, I, I prefer, like you said, the Jason Robinson, Martin yeah. Fire type wingers. And yeah, yeah. 
I mean, they're, they're quick. You mean like the diving in the corner? Yeah. Like the, the Australians, the, what they're doing. Ah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're off-goal. Some of the tries are... I mean, some defy logic, don't they? That's what I mean. Like, that's that's a skill that you look at and you think... Even, I, I think I was drunk trying to do it on the sofa. I couldn't do it on the sofa. Yeah. Never mind, like, uh, on the But obviously, you speak to players. That, do they actually train to coach that? Or is it just one of them things that just naturally... I, th- I think they get coached. I think a guy's got a pad, and they put a pad there, so right. they're landing on it all the time, sort of thing. Cause it's you, like, say, uh, rugby's a game of inches, isn't it? So, it's like a couple of inches, you know. Um, but it's some spectacular tries. I mean, some of the tries, well, they're actually... Rams there, and your body's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, but yeah, it is. But when you first come on the scene, it's probably when I started watching with my dad on the Challenge Cup and stuff like that. You used to have them. Every team used to have to have a bit of a hard bastard, didn't they? Yeah. So like you used to talk about Brendan too. He, yeah. he, they would have Brad Epi, they would have Brendan too, and you're like, them two are probably going to have a fight. And it was yeah. a bit like the old hockey games, wasn't it? That's you're right, like, yeah, there's yeah. the two hard guys, two hard props. Yeah. It's gonna, and then you'd have the halfbacks being protected by these hard people, that's wouldn't right, it? Yeah. But that's what that's what you see. If you, Sound a good player, a tough player, someone who protects their halfbacks. Yeah. Brendan would just pull it. Vows would be the same. You know, if, if, if Brad or Danny Gillis, Clyde Longley, you know, then obviously um, Vows will sort him out. Um, Brendan. Oh, <laughs> well, you see some of them clips, don't you? Think, oh, oh. What, what possessed him to do that? Just elbowing someone off. Oh, you, the thing about it, he wasn't the biggest bloke either. No, no. But do you know what? Take another one, absolutely lunatic off the park. Put it off, sorry, on the park. But off the park, one of the nicest blokes you ever wish to meet. Just quite humble, uh, down to earth bloke. But he, he was just great to follow as a 19 year old kid. And, and he's punching holes into everybody. Oh, I'm just doing following him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great bloke. We used to go drinking together. We used to have a laugh. Me and Paul Mulev. I mean, he, he's another one. But the best player I've ever played rugby with. I mean, some of the tries he scored are unbelievable. Yeah. He, he was one of the first modern centres that was quite big, wasn't he? Yeah, he'd he come into it, but he had the pace, didn't he, as he well? He was quick, he was strong. I mean, he wasn't very good at weights. I mean, I remember when we were he couldn't even bench press 20 kilo at the time. But yeah, he put him four blocks on him. I remember at uh, the 93 Premiership final, I think it went through about four blocks on him. Right. He went to trial and scored one of the tries. I think Desi Drummond was trying to pull his head off. Right, right. Desi only Ah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, just a naturally gifted, strong bloke. Um, I remember playing against him a couple of times, I couldn't get hold of him. Yeah. Just straight past me. I'm like, I might as well not have been there. Who, who were the horriblest players you ever played against? Who was like maybe top three or four? He just played against, oh, I'm going to catch an elbow, he's going to probably punch us. Who was the hardest? Because it, it, it's weird with the hardest players in Super League. It's like Barry McDermott, like you say, like yeah. off the field, Barry's probably the nicest, yeah, politest yeah, player yeah. ever made, but on the field, I wouldn't want to play against him. Ah, that's what I mean. Yeah, who, who, who were the horriblest players you played against? The first, I don't know, I can't really. I think probably the first block I ever realised, God, is this what it's going to be all about? Remember Morsi Kaloto? No. Played for, they were a Tonga to play for Witness. Right, they had Jonathan right. Davis and, and what, Darren Wright and Andy Currier. I played the Wigan Sevens, I was only 16 year old, and he run straight at me. And he was a big Tongan, like, a bit like Tamalala. Yeah. You know, Jason Tamalala. Yeah, yeah. I was seeing stars for about five minutes. I thought, and I just thought, well, is this what it's about? You know. I don't know if I can call this every week. And, uh, but uh, the toughest players. Um, I'm going to have to come back to that one, I don't know. Because you've got Morleys and all that will have been playing around and then want the Fieldens and all them types. And... Yeah. Oh, good question, that. I won't say there were any, anybody that would um, stand out. Toughness, obviously, like you've got your Moses, but I'm mean, about as a group, I don't know. I couldn't really. Um, I think, well, Stuart Fielding. I remember once walking out at Valley Parade with him. 
Um, not necessarily with a, a grubber on, but just a bit bizarre when he said to me, I'm walking out and he went, now then, in front of your gay icon. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm walking out and I looked up to him and thought, it's like, anyway, I asked, we'll play that Yorkshire and Lancashire Legends match uh, last year. I said, what, what do you mean by it? Oh, I said, I just say some random stuff. I said, yeah, but gay icon, it's a bit, you know, a bit random, that. And then, no, I don't know, just odd what he said to me. Well, people do that in rugby. I can remember someone getting punched in rugby once. And he stood up and I said, do you like that? And went, that'll be nice for Christmas. And I thought, what a weird thing to say. Like, it, it just takes you off the thing. Well, you know, the only thing I've really said is, uh, you know, someone's kicking a goal and it sticks or so it sticks. I said, what's that wheelbarrow? Yeah. Because I, I, I remember playing with uh, Ryan Sheridan and he kept saying it and kept saying it. Anyway, nobody, they always kick the goal. Anyway, one day I had a goal and they missed the goal. So I tried to do it every time after that. But, but, well, but even another one, great, great. Probably, I learned more off them in... 18 months, and I did whole career. Very good, very knowledgeable. Well, he doesn't get all the credit at Castleford, no, does he? He's the number two at Castleford, yeah. but I think he's got quite a big influence, oh, hasn't he, in training he and the, things like it, that. It, what do you don't know about rugby, then? It's not worth knowing. Uh, like I say, an 18 month at Jewsbury, I learned more of him as a player, as, as um, I learned more about myself, yeah. more than anything else. Um, but yeah, he'll put up there, top three coaches, definitely. What about most intimidating players? Because you'll have played when the boulevards and we're talking about people shouting stuff. I remember when I was amateur, I played with first, I think it maybe being 16 or something, just an amateur team. Yeah. And we played at Maryport. And oh. I remember that they have someone called the Carling Crew, just like seven alcoholics that go and watch the match. And every time we went to kick this, they just kept shouting, you suck cock like Blackpool Rock. <laughs> and I don't know why, it just stuck with me. Like that would be like 16 years ago. And yeah. I still remember them shouting that all the time. And But they're still there at the matches. It's about 30 years older. Which was the worst ground you used to think, oh, why are you even away? I don't fancy that. Or work it in a way. Or I just didn't mind. I didn't mind because the drive were quite nice. Keith, I mean, the change room was there. But... Keithley's change rooms remind me of where they used to keep sloth off the Goonies. Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah. Honestly, that's what I their do, change yeah. rooms are like. Yeah. There's like a show pipe what going through in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, worst, the most intimidating. I didn't like uh, Norton Park. No, who, who was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. used to go to that cage. I remember coming out at, um, when I was at Salford and I'd never actually seen somebody actually spit on somebody. But Alan Hunt went in front of me and he got spat on his oh, face, yeah. which... I thought it was no But Wakefield, and I know I've been, I, I, uh, been coaching there, but I remember all that stuff we went through, talking about earlier about the court case and everything. Um, I'll never forget the time Steve Prescott, he made a try saving tackle in the corner. And it's, it's where the, um, the chain rooms are. Sorry, you know, dugouts on the, in the olden days. That big, that big stand. And this, he'd made a tackle, and I think it's the first time he dislocated his kneecap. Right. And um, he was in agony. I ran over to him. As I'm running over to him, this woman jumped up and spat in his face. Wakefield fan. Right, right. And I just thought, I can't believe it. what's just happened. You know, it's like, and it was because of all this stuff we were going through. And Paul Preck is laid there with his kneecap hanging out. And um, he just jumped up and spat on his face. I'm like, what there? You know, you wonder what goes through people's minds. And yeah, I, I sometimes do where, like, when you go and watch like a match and someone's shouting like mad. Yeah. And it's always people that have never played. Yeah. It's never someone that's played like yeah. giving out advice or being nasty or like some guy that's never played, sat there, canned up, isn't it? Well, that, this is awesome not a good professional well. game. This was an amateur game I went to watch. I was watching it from, from a distance as I'm, as I'm walking over. This lad run from an estate, jumped over the wall onto the field, stabbed this lad with a, like a, with a knife, like a sharp stick, stabbed him straight through his leg and run off. Right, in that amateur match? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just turned professional, so I was like, I don't have to put up with that. But yeah, I just saw this kid run across, about 100 yards away, and straight and stabbed this kid in the back of his leg, you know, his hamstring, and went to flash it. I just legged it. 
Well, amateur rugby is the craziest ground because it's violence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I can remember playing up in Scotland and a fight broke out between two brothers on the same team and it went on for 20 minutes, the whole team. Because we, the, the team we were playing with, we weren't fighting with, they were fighting with themselves. Right. So it just went on forever because you're not going to split it up. The crowd no, no. can't split it up. They're doing the police. They're just sit there watching things. Yeah, it is. It's okay. mad. Amateur, amateur rugby is the brutalest sport, I'd say, in anything. Uh, do you know what? I think you've got your... Obviously, got your um, Super League and your um, Championship. But physically wise, you know, I would say the amateur game is probably oh. tougher. It's just obviously when you train Super League, you're playing for 100 mile an hour. You know, if you make a break, it's try time. But, it's, but physically wise, I mean, I've, like I say, I, co- I coached their side a couple of years ago. Honestly, I take hammer and tongs, elbows and, and whatnot. Well, people say Super League and they think, oh, that's a rough game. That's with a camera on, everything's getting analysed. Take that camera away. Yeah. Get a load of lads on that. Bit, uh, yeah. These guys train for that job. I mean, yeah. they reckon, I know when I, when I was finishing, they reckon every tackle you made or, um, or got tackled, it was like a 25 mile an hour car crash. So God knows what it's like now. I mean, I don't know that NRL. I mean, I wonder, that, I mean, they have short careers, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, they all look dead young, don't they, in the yeah. Australian League now? Yeah, they do, yeah. Do you, do you think there should be more education for Super League players that your career will come to an end? Yeah. Because a lot of them, like, you see them, don't you? And you they don't seem to have that, like, oh, well, this is finished. And no. you, you haven't got the luxury, like football, where you think, I'll tell you what, I'll have five or six years and then I'll decide. Whereas yeah. Rugby League, you've got to go right back into a job, haven't you, really, yeah. or the next couple I of think, years? I uh, think if, if anybody that's going to Super League now, I think they should automatically make sure that they actually get a career. Uh, and I think that's... I've been guilty of it, because obviously... The era I, I came from, it was you play full time. That was it. Yeah. Whereas I think um, now there's a bit more, bit more importance in getting a, a career outside of rugby. But I think in that, if that if that happens, there'll be a lot less mental health. I think a lot. Of, yeah. I think for me was I finished rugby. And that was it. They said, "There's your P60. See you later. Bye." Um, How old were you when you finished? Because you had a bad neck injury. I remember you and you carried on playing, didn't you? Yeah. I got paralysed in 2004, but I was sort of like 17 season. I thought I want to finish this 20th season. And um, so I carried on playing. I got obviously advised not to play. But I thought, so what did you play with that? Did you get like a neck brace? Because I remember no, that. Just, just normal. I was paralysed for about five or six minutes. Uh, ended up on a, in an hospital for, for. But I played two weeks later. And what I'd done, I'd, I'd not severed a nerve, but I've damaged a, a nerve. I ended up having a discectomy. You know, like a, 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 what do you call it? A disc taken out there. But right. I've done the other side now. Uh, right. So, um, but yeah. I was 37 when I retired. 37? So I and one of the reasons, you know, obviously, we were falling with depression and falling out of the game. The reason why I fell out of the game was because I'd done 20 seasons and I didn't get a testimonial. I, I, I asked a few people about getting a testimonial for service to the game. Yeah. And then I'm looking around, there's guys playing 13, 14 years in different clubs and whatnot, and they're getting testimonials. So I got a bit disillusioned with that. I didn't have the fact that I was drinking. I'm going out all the time drinking. Um, and obviously, hating my job, you know, that kind of stuff. And obviously, yeah. my sister just died. Uh, I had to go bankrupt. Everything, just everything curtailed in one go. And then, obviously, when the rubble ate, like a big kick in the teeth. And that's one of the reasons why I just went, went further and further deeper. And I, I didn't, I think that once I didn't want help. I just wanted to, I just, you know, I just wanted yeah. to go. Self destruct sort of yeah. thing. I just wanted to go. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be here. Well, it's a weird time when you, because all them things normally they spread out, aren't they? Like yeah. a bad thing there, five, six years. Yeah. Having them all at once, and especially having problems as well, I can well, I imagine think, it just. Yeah, yeah. I think in the space of about two years, I've got divorced, gone bankrupt. Um, I won't see the, the, the lads. Um, a year later, my sister died. 
like I say, I lost my house, lost, finished my job, finished playing, retired. So there's four or five things there, I just curved to all the space in two years. Um, and that's obviously when it, everything went pear-shaped. Did, did you ever feel like when uh, you'd run out of money and things going back to the game? Because you see a few players that we well, see it in boxing and everything. Because there will have been a team in the championship that would have thought, oh, Francis Morton, he's a great yeah. player. Like, did yeah. you ever think, oh, I'm going to have another year? Because you see it quite did, a bit, yeah. don't you? Well, I phoned up, um, I spoke with um, Hemel Staggs. Right. But I didn't realise where it was. <laughs> it's a fair <laughs> way. <laughs> I thought it was just down here one, but yeah. it's six. And I thought, uh, it went Brad Fittler playing that nines, and I thought, who fought you? I thought I would fought you. And I sort of got in touch with him and the words keen having me let me have a go. Uh, but I just didn't realise where it was. Yeah. I thought I ain't going down there twice a week, it's too far. So I didn't, didn't go down that route. But you've kept yourself in shape, don't you? Because I I I have seen a few lads that when as soon as they finish playing, it's like they must have just got an all you can eat buffet. Well, and they've got massive, don't they? They either go that way or like with Paul Schofield, it just looks as good as when he played. Yeah, right. Your cell just looks the same as when you played. It's well, weird. And you know what it is? As a kid, I was fat as a kid. Yeah. I was a chubby kid, and I've always had a, I've always been conscious about my weight. I was the same, I, yeah. yeah. And I just don't want to. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't train much. I don't do out really, to be fair. But I just. Um, I mean, I passed my PT last year, so I want to do some PT. But I just. Um, it's that thing, you know. I don't want to. I don't want to let myself go. Yeah. You know, I want to keep myself in shape because I just think, you know, so when my dad died of dementia, my granddad, you know, once you start, stop using your, your mind and your, and your body and whatnot, you start slipping, I think. And I think if I can keep active as long as I can, because it, it doesn't bode well for me, because obviously it's a genetic thing as well, it's, it's, it's dementia. And yeah. also with my dad and my, my granddad. Um, so I think for me, as long as I keep active and keep fit, uh, it'll keep it, it'll still stay away from me, won't it? Well, that, that thing about being a fat kid, it does play on your mind, doesn't it? Because you yeah. just start thinking, them jeans feel a bit tight, that's it, yeah. I'm not eating today, or something yeah, like yeah. that, and you're just like that all the time, aren't you? Because yeah, you've been there. It's a bit of self self. I mean, the thing is, obviously working with, with in, in schools and you, you know all these buzzwords and stuff like self, um, self-esteem and all, but I like to have no self-worth, and, that, yeah. and that's a totally different thing. It's like, I haven't, you know, it's like people say, oh, you must be um, feel good about yourself. I don't, that's the thing. And But the thing about it is, where I've come from in regards to the depression and stuff, and, and I've been here before, you know, many times. Um, but I know how to, um, because I've been through the Spartan Chance um, systems, I know how to counteract it, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's probably the reason why I'm still here, because if I hadn't, I don't think I'd be here. And, you know, and just for the record, I would like to say thank you for the Bleak Cares and uh, obviously Spartan Chance, because they, they did, they saved my life. Um, because so if I had a carry on in six months as I was, I'd have been dead. It's good, though, that you tell your story. I seen it on the Suicide Awareness last yeah, week. Yeah. It was on the big rugby league yeah. thing and stuff like that. And it's good for young kids, if you're working with kids now, because yeah. you'll be able to identify kids and they're going down the wrong path, they yeah. hang around with the wrong people and yeah. things like that. And because you've been through it and because you were such a good player as well, yeah. it's not like you were a terrible player. Like you were one yeah. of the best players going through something bad. I think it's good for kids to hear that yeah. when they're going through I, it. Do you know what? I'll, I'll, I don't mind talking about it. Yeah. The yeah. thing about it is, um, if somebody can hear a buzzword, I'll, I'll think, actually, I've been in that situation, and, and so I might listen and think, how do you get out of it? And it's like, that's what, that's what I, I want to do. I would like to obviously share my story as many times as I can. If yeah. it helps somebody, um, and, you know, obviously, it makes it more worthwhile. If somebody can hear something about somebody that's, um, who's been there and sort of done it kind of thing, and come out the other end, um, and if it helps one person or ten people, it's been worthwhile me, you know, speaking about it. 
No, it, 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 I think it's good. Like uh, we've done one with Eddie Hall, the strong man. Yeah, yeah. He talks about mental health and I've right. done loads with Gaza. Yeah. Gaza's another one. Yeah. Gaza's one of them. He's been through it a million times. But yeah, he says, yeah. "What am I going to do? Quit? I'm going to keep trying yeah, to get better." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. It, it's good for people, like, because people just assume because you were superstar, so I think you'll be fine. Same yeah. with Ricky Hattons and people like that. People don't realise when that everyone stopped cheering. It's just yeah. you, then, isn't it? And then I think you, you put a lot of emphasis on what people think. Yeah. And then when it's all gone, it's sort of. You just, you just, is, there, yeah. And you? Then you've got to find that that next next chapter in your life, and you know I'm I'm still finding it. You know yeah. I'm, I'm seeing Sunday now, and I've got, uh, I see Frankie every week. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think last time I spoke to you, I just come up the court case, um, won that, won the discipline. You know, and life's good. It's not perfect, yeah. um, but life can be. It's like I said on, on the the face, but life can be beautiful. Find your soul, you know. And I think I'm still finding it, but I'm yeah. getting there, and it's I've. I've uh, surround yourself with good people. That's a that's a big thing, isn't it? Because yeah. some people are just energy drainers as well, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Francis, let's go on a Monday morning, let's yeah, have a drink, and that. Yeah. You want to get people that want the best for you, don't you? Yeah. Not because you're handy to go out with and things like no, that. No, and people like to like me to go out because I'm like a short party, but I'm not. I don't want anyone for me. Do you know what I mean? But I'm, um, I've seen something now that doesn't like to drink as much. You know, yeah. it's like I don't want to drink because she don't want me to drink, kind of thing. So for, for me, that's um, a massive positive. Do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. You know, it's like she can turn and say, "Oh, have a drink, have a drink." And I'll be, I'll probably, me being like a like a recovering alcoholic, I will drink. Yeah. Um, but she she don't like it, so you know I won't drink. And for me to listen to somebody else instead of being selfish and listen to myself all the time, it's I think it's helping. You know, I think it's um, it's in the right direction. Well, they always say, don't they, if you've got nine friends that are alcoholics, you'll be the tenth, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just who you hang around. Is, yeah, yeah. Misses, isn't you missus is You are, you are. Like like I've got quotes, tattoos somewhere. You are your environment. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Love you. when you're knocking about with good people or bad people, you'll end up being your environment who you're with. Well, that's probably where you grew up in that environment because rugby's drinking and it's keeping your feelings to yourself, especially in the, yeah, yeah. not so much now, but back in the 1990s, no yeah. one was talking about feelings other than rugby. No. So, well, that's do you know, the first things that, first night I went out with when I was at Leeds, I went out with uh, Dave Aaron. And Phil Ford, uh, Simon Irving, and um, obviously I was, I was about seventeen, and I used to have something to eat, you know, and a drink. Uh, and Dave Irving said, "Get here now, eating's cheating." Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah. you know what? For my own adult life, I use that philosophy. I'd never have a drink when I, when I was sorry, I'd never have to eat when I was drinking. Right. And it's like that's making me wonder. I was pissed. Do you know? Yeah. I do the exact same. Yeah. Because it, it takes you longer to get drunk if you eat. I know. That's like, right, that's yeah. a, what a weird mentality to have. Yeah. You think? I'll tell you what. If I eat them chips. I'm not going to be yeah. steaming into that. So, so have you had issues, obviously, with it? With it no, with I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, what about I'm, being fat as a kid and stuff like that? Oh, no, I was fat for two years of my life when I was a kid, yeah. and no one's ever let us live it down. <laughs> and I, I do it about when we stand up, because I always say, because on my road, honest to God, where I lived, there's three paedophiles lived between my house and the school, God. and I walked past every day, and I never got a wink or an invite once. Do you know what I mean? I was too fat. That paedophiles weren't interested. You know what I mean? So, Joking. honestly. Because I used to walk to school from, like, a young age, so... I used to think it's because I was good at rugby, but it's because my mum and dad knew they wouldn't be strong enough to pick us up. Yeah, I've been that. I'm just overweight. What that mean? <laughs> but, uh, but no, I um, actually I've always had the same from being a kid. You know, yeah. from 13, 14. Just, um, but that was one of the things that my dad did do for me. I came home from school one day, and I, I just smacked this lad. Been throwing a, some rubber at me. Right. And I've got I've got always handed with my face and stuff, but he kept throwing this this rub, you know, piece of rubber at me. Yeah. So I said, if you do that again, someone will have So he threw a little piece of rubber at me. So I marched it back at the classroom and I pulled him. Anyway, he went to Paraguay Girls, so they're all calling me names. 
fat this, fat that, fat, fat Fran, and you know. And I went to home, I cried. I went, I got what to go to the field, back to my mum and dad's, and I was sobbing. And uh, my dad said, What's up? Uh, so my mum told him what had happened with his girl. So the day after, he flogged me. Six weeks, you know, summer holidays. Yeah. yeah. Six weeks, I was two and a half stone. Yeah. In six weeks, got myself fit. And I never looked back. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, when I went back to school, people didn't know I were. I'd lost that much weight. But, you know, I, I all that. He sort of um, elevated me to that next level in rugby, you see, because I was, oh, I was a fat, fat, chubby kid. But then I was, I was ripped and everything when, I, when I'd come back to school. It's weird having a dad that's into sport, though, isn't it? Because yeah. my old lad was banging into sport. Yeah. Every outcome, fitness, isn't it? You're yeah. like, oh, I've got pneumonia. Yeah. Hill sprints are good for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're like, oh, that, really? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Honestly, the, the stuff, it would always used to, it used to flog me all the time. Yeah. You know, and it was like, that's the only way forward. But obviously, I know with sports science now, things have changed. But sometimes you just need need the old school. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean? It it gets that mentality into you though, doesn't it? Like Does when it, you yeah. get older. Yeah. Like I, I, if I go and train with the amateur team now, you've got people I can't be asked doing a lap. Yeah. Be, and you're like, God, you're growing up in different times. Like, yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. get a hide, wouldn't you? If you were like yeah, saying, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, do you know what I think? In all respect. Yeah, uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 this younger generation have no respect. You know, and it's like um, they've got to. Suddenly, you've got to earn respect sometimes. You know what I mean? But they just don't. They just get. They just think, oh, I can't be able to do. That. I'm going home. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And what you're supposed to do as a coach, no, yeah, you're doing it, but they can just turn and say, oh, F off. Well, the hard work, no one wants the hard work anymore, do they? Like, like you see amateur, there's not as many second teams anymore, there's no, as many do. amateur teams. No. And it's because you think Tuesday training, yeah. can't be bothered. Exactly. And that, Saturday... Because you know Tuesday's going to be a hard session, yeah. Yeah. so they'll just turn up on Thursday, play on the Saturday, but it shouldn't be like that. I mean, I don't know, when I was a kid, I used to love training Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, yeah. especially the fitness. Yeah, so obviously, well, I will fit, so I'll always put it to the front. You know, but then people at the back, I know it's half but you can always get yourself there, can't you? Got to have some aspirations in life and just not being a fat, lazy slob. Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's everyone because there's still players and that still dedicated, yeah. but it used to be everyone, didn't it? Yeah. Even the ones that were unfit, they'd still get the sell there, choose. Whereas now yeah. you're like, if I got the amateur rugby union team, the local one, you're like, oh, Tuesday we're going to do fitness. You're like, oh, a lot of back shifts that night yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. You're just lying to yourself. You're no, in that no, WhatsApp yeah. group, can't go, can't you? like, Oh, well, you just get yourself there. You because yeah. you always feel better after training, do, don't yeah. you? You always feel better when you've done. It's like you know, obviously being a, obviously a drinker. So you know, you you always feel great in the morning. You don't have a drink. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's like that's that's what I'm getting to now. I feel great in the morning now. You know, as before, like, two three years ago, I was drinking a litre of vodka a night. I was getting up fresh as a daisy. A little bit a bit ropey, right? Um, and like, and I look back and see how much I used to drink. I admit, no, no. Drinking in the house is the worst because yeah. you, you look around and you think, God, have I had 15 cans? Because yeah. like, yeah. on the night out, you, you're not, you don't realise, do you? And then in the house, you're like, oh my God, it's yeah. embarrassing, isn't it? And then you don't remember what you've done. Yeah. You know, yeah. Stuff like that. And you, you get up early and think, oh, Jesus, I need to get rid of this kind of You know what I mean? Uh, but luckily enough, like I said, I've met someone who don't like that. I don't want, you know, I don't want to drink. I have, have a meal and stuff like that. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's a positive. No. I mean, the balance with drink. I, I, I don't think I would ever never not drink, but I, I always think you see people who do it too yeah, much. Yeah. I think you've got to have a little bit of balance yeah. in there. And but obviously we've been a, obviously been alcoholic. I, I can't even get that balance. But I'm at the stage now. I, I can take it or leave it now. Yeah. You know, I'm at this stage, especially the last few weeks. Because I've, I've had a tough few weeks, obviously, with certain issues, and I, I've had my own mental problems and stuff like yeah. that. But because of the because of the sporting chance and the way I came out there and, and what I learned about myself as a person, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm getting by, yeah. and it's uh, it's all by just because I've been in the same situation. I've learned from the mistakes, uh, and I just keep moving on, keep plodding along. You know, and I can't wait to see. Is that, is that a quote where um, I can't wait to see the view from the top of the mountain? 
you know, I'm up, I'm going on my way up. Um, and, you know, because every, every day is different and every day is tough. But you just got to keep playing on, keep well, moving, that, keep that's th- I think a lot of people after sport or doing something brilliant, it's having that focus to aim at something. Because yeah. when you're in rugby, like, I want to be... I, uh, yeah, best yeah. player in Super League, best player in my team. And you've always got that focus. And then when it ends, and it's very hard to go to a mundane job and get them same yeah. highs, isn't it? it? Is, yeah. And things like that. Like, That's where people struggle. Yeah. 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 You know, obviously, when they start taking drugs and they start another and drinking. And, but it's that, like I say, it's a balance. You know, and I'm at the stage now where I've got a balance. And it's like, um, surely I'm turning to what I want to be. And it's because I'm, I'm surrounded by better people. You know, I, don't, I haven't been surrounded myself with negative people. You know, um, and, I go, I go to work, finish work, I, I go train or go see my girlfriend or and then on the weekends I'll have Frankie. Uh, days of partying for me are done anyway, I'm not bothered. Yeah. Um, they used to call me George Best when I was, when I was going out all the time. My nickname was George Best. Yeah. So I was just going out all the time and stuff. And yeah, I've been there and done it. I don't want that anymore. I want, um, it's good for about a month, isn't it? A couple yeah. of weeks and then you think, oh. No, this was for about three or four years. Right. Christ. Mm. But I just I got it out of my system, and I just wanted a normal Monday life and get, be happy. You yeah. know, and I'm so sure to get in there um, because for years I'm, I was sick of obviously this depression thing. That was another thing I had it, and I was sick of it. I just thought I'm sick of it. every time something was wrong. It's because I'm depressed. So I've got a tattoo across my chest. Um, it's good to look back, but don't stare. And I see it in people now on the Facebooks so are always looking, putting stuff about when they did this, when they did that. Yeah. You'll see yourself because you'll know. Um, sports people yeah. um, they're the people that are on the, on the crusp of being obviously going into depression because they're living on the past you see that I've got, I'm friends with so many people on Facebook and yeah. it's nice to put the odd thing on yeah. but some people are doing maybe three or four days or eight years ago yeah. I've done no 15 years ago I've done this I, and I mean, like, I've been guilty of it myself I've put them on and I, I, I put them on once because it, is it memories I put right, memory yeah, on yeah. and then everybody said no I put them on because I'd say listen I'm sick of looking back and all that kind of stuff I'll do this occasionally no, no, we like you, we like to see this, your memories. So I've been putting them on. I haven't been putting anything fresh on, really. But you, you'll see them yourself and you'll see them. They start to live in the past. Yeah. And that's, I was guilty of that. And that's what caused me to, to um, I wish I'd done this and I wish I'd done that. And I didn't. I can't, can't do it now, can I? I can't re- rewind out the time machine. So, like I said, this, this, this tattoo is good to look back, but don't stare. And then, obviously, I did a, a big article for Huddersfield um, Uni about depression in sport. Right. And I said to myself, as soon as I've done that, my tablets, binned them. Yeah. Uh, we're on some called, uh, I can't remember what call the tablets, but they were anti- um, depressants. Right. Uh, and I stopped taking them. I've not suffered with it since. Right, right. And I just think, I'm stronger than that. I want to be stronger than that. Well, not just that. You look healthy in that now, and it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you look like you've got your life in order and things like that. Yeah. You've got a girlfriend, seeing yeah. your child and that. And this flat's pretty... Yeah, yeah. to be honest, especially in Batley, so... I know, yeah. But uh, <laughs> cheers for your time, Francis, in there. No, Any time you're up in the lakes, it was oh, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, We'll go for a couple, not, yeah. not too many, though. I don't mind, no, I'm all right. Well, we'll 10 o'clock cut off anyways. If we're good people, I'm all right. We've got a 10 o'clock cut off anyways now, yeah, so yeah. that should be all. We'll go at eight. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's cheers, pal. All right, John, cheers, cheers thanks for that, yeah. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.